before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in prayer and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
was a bugger of a person for anyone in authority to try to be with. He offended powerful people every day. And questioned authority in ways that really irritated the people who had authority. And he had a compelling personality, so everyone wanted to hang out with him. But he chose to hang out with the social outcasts, with the unpopular people, with the women, the fishermen, the lepers, the tax collectors, and sometimes with the kids. Besides all that, he insisted on talking about money, which really irritated the powerful people, because people with power often have money, and people with money don't always want to talk about their money, particularly economic justice. Kind of conversations that Jesus was always telling. So his relentless insistence on talking about money may have been the most irritating thing of all. Man does he talk about money. Sixteen of the thirty-eight parables are about money and possessions. And in the Gospels as a whole, an amazing one out of ten verses, two hundred and eighty-eight verses in all, dealt directly money. The Hebrew text also addresses money quite a bit, and being a good Jewish rabbi, Jesus knew the scripture, and he knew the importance of using one's money and possessions in ways that aligned with one's spiritual ideals. He knew that generosity feeds the spirit of the givers. He also knew that generous use of resources was important to the eventual achievement of the kingdom of God. Giving makes a difference in the world. He knew that sharing leads to the redistribution of resources in an unjust and unequal society, and that this sharing brings us closer to a time when no one will have more or less than anyone else. And he knew that people put money in the places where their hearts minds are most drawn. Jesus wanted hearts and minds to be drawn to God and to God's desire for fullness of life for all people. So Jesus pushed people about money all the time. This is why some of the powerful guys who wanted to derail the dangerous Jesus verse of Jesus tried to entrap him in today's gospel. They tried to get him to say something that would either cause him to renounce his own teachings or get him to say something that would lead to his arrest as a rebel speaking against paying taxes to the emperor. They approach him in a public place. They name his virtuousness and make sure that all within earshot know that his response is going to be good. And then they ask, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Now, I don't think that the Pharisees and the Herodians were actually so terrible, but because Matthew didn't like them, because Matthew's a great storyteller, you can almost hear them snickering and rubbing their hands together in anticipation of victory. I can't tell but picture of Cain from Princess Bride when he thinks he's about to be victorious over Leslie in a battle of the wit one of them poisoned. Spoiler alert, Cassini doesn't make it. And if you don't know the Princess Bride, you can just choose your own Hollywood villain, whoever it is. You might 
Show me a coin. Who is this picture of you? The emperor? Fine. Give to the emperor what belongs to the emperor. And give to God what belongs to God. Jesus' answer keeps him on high ground and foils the antagonist's plans. Doesn't give him any guidance on how to attack him. It cuts much deeper than that. He points to something that should touch each of us very deeply. The coin is engraved with the emperor's image. That's who it belongs to, no matter how it may be used or misused. We are not coins. We are not embossed with the image of human power constructs. So whose image is engraved on us? The very image of our creator. Genesis tells us that we are made in God's image. Our first reading today told us that God knows us by name, and our epistle told us that we are beloved and we are chosen. My heart tells me that God's image is on it, and on your heart, and your heart, and your heart, your heart, all of our hearts. Give to the emperor what is the emperor's, and give to God what is God's. Give our hearts to God. We do so to return to the origin of our purpose here on earth. The origin of our nature, which when God saw it, God said, it is good. We give our hearts to God so God can heal them and hold them and fill them. We give our hearts to God in hopes that they may be of use in God's work in this world. We give our hearts to God because we know that is where we belong. Which is why Jesus talks so much about money. Whether or not we realize it, our hearts follow our money. Money can equip us to more fully engage God's purposes on earth, or it can be disrupted by pulling us away from God toward other things. You see, we are not segmented. All aspects of us are interconnected as one. So when we bring our body, mind, spirit, heart, talents, desires, questions, and resources to God, we stay all together as whole beings in God's hands. When we bring only some aspects to God and leave others as far from God as possible, we get all the whole that is and who we say we are begins to unravel them. We need to ask ourselves where our money is going because we know the 
God's work in this world. In other words, I would use it to get my church pledge up to where I want it to be. Yes, I just snuck that in there. <laughs> Stewardship season is beginning. But today, I'm not going to talk to you about institutional survival or our desire as a church to really thrive. I'm talking about a spiritual awareness of what we each do with our money. When the money entrusted to each of us joins with what our hearts know about God's deepest desires, we each have more peace, less clutter, and the world is made into a better place. As stewardship season begins, we will each pray and discern how much we want to give, to offer, of our livelihoods, to make this church a place where worship, learning, companionship, service, community, and healing can happen. And of course, lights need to be turned on, staff needs to be paid, toilet paper and soap and coffee all need to be bought, three great big buildings need to be kept up, and there is an elevator that seems to need a lot of special attention. Space needs to be created for all the things that we aim to do together. But I'm not worried about those things. I trust the Holy Spirit to work in each of us. It senses in each other that the Holy Spirit brings our generosity out. My deeper hope is that we all have significant opportunities to give to God what is God's, to honor what is Generosity in general changes us for the better. The money needed here, the pledges, the act of pooling all of our resources so that we can have a place that is called church, these things facilitate that, I think. If our hearts follow where we choose to put our money, then participating in the communal generosity that happens here places our hearts squarely in the hands of God, which is exactly where they belong.
special needs and concerns of this congregation. Today we pray for William, Nancy, Bill, Hannah, Ben, Carolyn, Bernie, Norman, Claire, Joyce, Sarah, Hurricane victims, Susie and Ellie, Ed, Catherine, Robert, Matthew, Amanda, Tom, Sarah, Huey, Edith, Joan, Ellie, Kirsty, Eliana, Edie, those without jobs, those serving in the military, and all who work in peace and for peace are there others. Hear us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O God, our King. We pray for all who have died that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. We especially pray for the repose of the soul of the Reverend Betty, Dennis, the priest in our diocese, and Carol Dennis, close friend of Lucy, Ross Carl, are there others? Lord, let your loving kindness be upon you. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us.
Bye. 
eat for a little bit with some fellowship. Hopefully you'll bring your families, wonderful children and adults. If you need a ride, check with Robert or myself, and we'll do our best to make sure you can get here. The lights will be on so that you can get in and out safely. We end promptly at 7, so it's a short, sweet, and fun time fellowship and singing together. Thanks so much. Hope to see you again. Linda Vigar from Crown Street, out in the hall today. Please stop by. I'd like to thank everyone who contributed something, especially our teenagers. We have several, quite a few teenagers who contributed something. I'd like you to um, show your appreciation for their contributions by uh, noticing that they um, donated papers and babysitting. And of course, there's lots of other things to buy, including some items that were just added today. Um, we will also promise you all to be at the fair, and at the fair we will be selling gift cards. And this is your opportunity to donate a gift card. So please talk with me or Margo or Buck, or you can leave the gift cards in the office that those will be on sale just at the fair. Today, stop by in the hallway, and I want to thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Larry Scarf, and I wanted to call your attention to what you may have seen in your bulletin that my wife Debbie and I are refreshing the uh, photo directory for the next three Sundays. So if you haven't uh, had your uh, picture taken, or if, as I see some of the folks down in front here might have grown since the last time that you had your picture taken, please stop by the, uh, the parlor on your way to or from coffee that's uh, on your left right as you get into the, um, the parish hall, and uh, we'll quickly stamp your picture and uh, you'll get in the photo. Good morning, my name is Brenda Ward, and I'm here to talk about apple pies. We just talked about it. Um, we will be preparing them for the fair this coming Saturday, the 28th. We start at 10 o'clock. There will be a group of us, and I'd love to include you. Um, just come with your peeler and your paring knife and your chopping board, and if you plan to stay through lunch, uh, bring a sandwich. Since everybody else is talking about pie and the fair, I'm going to say something special, very special, that's happening the very next day after the fair. Uh, the, our choir has been preparing a Bach cantata to celebrate the 500th anniversary of the German Reformation. Bach wrote this cantata to celebrate it in 1725, you can do the math. Um, but we will be doing this in conjunction with our annual choral evensong for All Saints Sunday. So, the Episcopal Church is, uh, likes to straddle the fence and sometimes call itself Protestant and sometimes call itself Catholic. And we're going to straddle that event, uh, that, that, those two sides on that event. And Coralie Song, very Episcopal tradition, All Saints Sunday, it's more of a Catholic tradition, and then the Protestant Reformation with a Bach cantata that's very Protestant. So, we're going to celebrate all of it the day after the fair, that's November 5th, at 5 o'clock. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Jennifer Colombo, and along with Craig Delpin, uh, we are co-chairs of the Stewardship Committee again this year. I think that's all I have, because Becky and Nancy sort of took care of everything else this morning. <laughs> um, thank you both, honestly, for teeing up and launching us um, in our stewardship season that we're embarking upon, and to really officially announce that I have a community of to just add to that. Um, that along with the beautiful letter that Nancy has written, we will all be receiving.
there is a pledge card. And, you know, as was mentioned, for us all to carefully consider how we can give as best we can to the work that is being supported here at Trinity. Um, we want to sort of understand, you know, the financial outlook of the church and the benefit stewardship. Um, the budget, as stated by the vestry, um, is going to remain flat this coming year at $900,000, same as last year. Um, and stewardship's goal is to raise $740,000 support the um, work of our worship, outreach, social ministries, and other pieces of all the main things we do here at Trinity. So you will be hearing from uh, those of us on the committee um, who are here, and some are going to be in the coming weeks with a stewardship minute, um, sharing our perspective, and, um, and from other times. But I also encourage you to come if you have questions. We are going to have forum next week, so sorry, the 29th at 9 a.m., um, and there's going to be time at the coffee hour on November 5th to discuss any questions you have about Trinity's financial forecast for 2018. Um, please find and pray for myself. We have Bob Grace, Jennifer Johnson, Greg Fairbank, Susie Buckter, Sally Meyer, Charlie Stone, Pepsi Eidenberg, and Rizan Teitelman for any of us who want to get involved and have some questions. Thank you. And then, of course, there are two ways of being able to pledge, um, either online, but also by bringing your pledge card in at our traditional India on Sunday, on November 12th. All right, hang tight for one more important announcement. Side, will you please come forward? The reason the children have returned to the floor is that they can help us bless Side. Side has been trained for the last year or so in our prison with an inmate who trained Sky all week, all week long to be a knee dog. And the new bulls have been socializing with Sky on the weekends all year. Um, and Sky's ready to be assigned and go out and do the ministry. So we would love to do that Sky. How close do you have to do this? Okay. Sky, come over here. No, no, no. Okay. And children, anyone who wants to be close to the dog to help bless the dog. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for offering your creatures to us for companionship, and particularly, thank you for Sky. Thank you for the love that Sky has brought to his trainer, to the Newbold family, and very much to this community. Thank you for the love and companionship and help that Sky will bring to his new friend as he enters his ministry. We thank you for Sky, and we ask that you bless his work in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, children of Sky, you may return to your seats. And luckily, the new bulls are getting another cup.
congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts, that those who you know may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. Thank you.